Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Hey, can you, we welcome those who are joining us online. We love you. You are part of us. Amen, amen. Well, we are continuing our series on churchology where we are looking at the purpose of the church. But even deeper than that, we're looking at if we are to be the church that Jesus is building, what should we look like? You know, you can base your church on a lot of different things. You can base it on coolness. You can base it on light shows. You can base it on personality. You can base it on all kinds of things. There are lots of things that will cause a church to grow. But the question is, is if a church is growing, does it always mean that Jesus is building it? Because we want to be the church that Jesus builds. Amen? That's what God's called us to be, and that's what we're going to be. And since he purchased us with his blood, we want him to tell us how we are to be and the life that we are to live and the church that we are becoming as a family of faith here. Last week we looked at John chapter 10. We looked at the shepherd. And it was a powerful moment as we realized that in order for us to be led by Jesus, we have to understand if he is our shepherd, that means that we are what? Sheep. And that's not super impressive, but it is what it is, that we are sheep. We are sheep that's vulnerable. We are sheep that's weak. We are sheep that um, without a shepherd, we get ourselves into trouble. Without a shepherd, we find ourselves in difficult situations But when you have a shepherd, you understand that you are a sheep. You understand that Jesus, you have designed me to be a sheep. Most of us spend most of our lives riddled with anxiety and fears because we don't realize that we are sheep and we're trying to be our shepherd and we cannot because we are not created to be our own shepherd. But I want to take another step further in John chapter 10 today. As we understand this foundational truth of this passage of what it means to have Jesus as our shepherd. Yes, we are sheep, but now Jesus is our shepherd. What does that mean? This passage is one of the more um, well-known passages in the Bible. It's it's, It's very loving and kind and comforting, but there are also some things in here that I, I pray today God would speak to us would do something in us, would, would help us understand the shepherd that we actually follow. If we can, let's read today out of John chapter 10. The words are going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read from my Bible here today. And we're going to read through verse 16. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. 
Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs after because he is hired. Excuse me. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. And there we will be one flock with one shepherd. This is Jesus speaking to us about his role in our life as a shepherd. I want you just for a moment to understand that those Jesus is speaking to at this time, they understood what Jesus was saying. They understood they could wrap their heads around sheep and shepherd and pins and all kinds of stuff. They knew it. Maybe for us today, it's a a little more difficult because maybe we didn't grow up around that. But these people understood it. They understood the this, this shepherd and sheep. This was a common image in their minds. They, they, they embraced it. They understood it. They got it. When we think about raising farm animals, many times we think about meat. That's because we're American. That's what we do. We're like, well, you raise animals for meat. But actually, for them during this time, sheep were primarily raised for their fleece. So shepherds would be with their sheep for years even decades, a couple decades, they could be with, with their sheep. And often the shepherd would know the sheep by name. He would name them. He would know all about them. They each had personalities. And so as they raised them, they walked together. They lived together. This was the shepherd and the sheep. So these people who heard Jesus saying this, they understood this is the way it is. I get that. I understand And so they would be so familiar, the sheep would be totally familiar with the shepherd, and the shepherd would be totally familiar with the sheep. These people understood that. This was a relationship. This was um, an interesting connection between a shepherd and the sheep. During those days, what a lot of people are unaware of, there's two types of sheep enclosures. And so when you lean into this, you kind of, you hear some of these, this language, you're like, I don't understand how does that apply? Well, There are two sheep enclosures, and many scholars believe verses 1 through 5 is about the sheep enclosure that's found in a village. It's found in a community. Verses 7 through 10 is about the enclosure that's found in the countryside. But first, I want to look at this idea of the sheep enclosure that's found in the village, and what is Jesus saying to us? What is Jesus saying to you today? And so the shepherds of a a community, looking at this first sheep enclosure— The shepherds of a community would take their sheep out all day. They would graze the sheep. They would come back in the evening to the village, to their town. And there was a lot of 
a lot of shepherds. It was, it was a very common trade at the time. And so as they grazed their sheep, they would return to the village and they would put all of their sheep together collectively in one sheep pen. It was a communal sheep pen. You just put your sheep in there. That's what you did. And so they would come in. And they, then the shepherds would hire someone to watch over the sheep at night. So they'd hire them so that the shepherds could go home, they could get some rest, they could hang out with the family, they'd wake up the next day and they would do the same thing again. But it was a hired hand. The one who sat at the, at the, at the gate, the one who was there at the sheep pen wasn't the shepherd of the sheep, they were hired. So there wasn't this real connection there between the shepherd and the sheep. They were just there to, to do a job. They were there on behalf of the shepherds. So as they all came into one, one big flock, one big enclosure, think about it. They're not branded. They're not, they don't have any markings on them. They don't have spray paint to put on top of the ones that are theirs. They, they can't do any of that. So they all go in a, a big sheep pen. Now for us, this would be an issue because we're like, okay, this, we, we don't know what to do now. They're all mixed together. As you can imagine, all the different multiple flocks, they all look the same. There's nothing unique about them. This would be a problem for us. But I want to share with you something. There was a writer, H.V. Morton. He was a journalist in the early 1900s, and he traveled to Israel, and he was writing about what he saw with the shepherd and the sheep. And so he wrote many books, but... This one I'm going to read from is called In the Steps of the Master. And so in the beginning of the book, he, he begins to describe what he witnessed with a shepherd and his sheep. I want you to listen to this for a moment. The shepherd had the ability to make a sound that was unique to the shepherd. For some, it was a clucking noise. Another shepherd was a high-pitched whining sound. With another shepherd, it was a laughing type of sound. But as each shepherd made their unique sound, the sheep began to move and separate. And as each shepherd continued to walk and make their sound, the shepherd's sheep responded to the sound that would start, and the, sh and the sheep would start to leap and dance all the way towards their rightful shepherd. So the sheep enclosure... In the morning, as the shepherds would go to it, they're all in there, they would open the pen, and then the shepherd would begin to call. The shepherd would begin to make their unique vocal pattern, their unique sound, and the sheep would respond to that because the sheep responded to their shepherd's voice. As, as you can imagine, it would be chaos at first, and then the shepherds begin to walk. They're, they're, as they open the gate, they make their noise, and then the, the sheep would separate and, and divide out, and all of a sudden, they would be following their correct shepherd. It's kind of like, like for us who have pets. Anybody have pets here, right? Does anyone have pets? Okay, good. All right, for us who have pets, it's, it's kind of like how your dog or your, or your cat knows your voice. Well, your dog knows your voice. I don't know if cats know anything, but anyway... Sorry, if you're a cat lover, I'm sorry. But your pets do recognize your voice. Some of you, let's just be honest, you have a pet voice. You know you do, right? You know you have a, it's, it's like, right? 
It's either high pitch or low. Listen, my wife has a pet voice. When she sees our dog, Buddy, it goes into like weird voice. Like, like I don't know. I don't even know what's going on. But there's a connection there, I promise you. It's really great. But everyone has this unique voice. You can call your pet and your pet knows that's my master. Same way with the shepherd. I grew up um, in a rural community, hunted a lot. My dad loved to raccoon hunt. That's what we did. And so at night, we would, uh, and, and you do it at night, and it's, we've had some great experiences as a family, as my brothers, my dad. In the middle of the forest at nighttime, um, it's, it's, it's fun. But my dad had this dog, his name was Rowdy. Now Rowdy was a, it was a walker breed, and so there's a distinction to them. And we're in the middle of hundreds of thousands of acres of just woods. And so as you're hunting with your dog, your dog can start trailing off somewhere else. And, and when we couldn't find Rowdy, this is what happened. I mean, we would be in the middle of nowhere. We don't know where Rowdy is. And Rowdy had a, had a missing eyeball because he got hit by a car. I mean, it's just like this dog was awesome, right? But my dad would then just stop. We couldn't, couldn't find him, couldn't find him. And he'd do this. Ooh! And then all of a sudden, Rowdy would answer. Oh. <laughs> and when I tried it, Rowdy didn't answer. The same way with the shepherd and the sheep. The shepherd would make his noise and the sheep would respond. And so Jesus is talking about his sheep know his voice. And the reason why you could tell which sheep belonged to the shepherd, which shepherd was because the sheep followed the shepherd's voice. I just want to give, give you today two things for us to understand of what Jesus is saying as our shepherd. And so when Jesus is your shepherd, number one, I want you to catch this today, you respond to his voice. When he is your shepherd, you respond to his voice. You don't find yourself following another shepherd. You find yourself following your shepherd, Jesus. A reminder before chapter 10 was chapter 9, as we, we, we looked at it last week for a little bit, that the leaders of Judaism, the leaders that were supposed to take care of God's people, and the Jewish people are God's people. And so they were assigned to take care of them spiritually. And so in chapter 9, the leaders of Judaism excommunicated a man that Jesus healed. excommunicated someone they were supposed to take care of because he, he, he wouldn't denounce Jesus. Now think about this for a moment. Judaism, the, the structure of Judaism, the structure of these shepherds of this time, they were, they were supposed to care for God's people. They were though under shepherds. They weren't the great shepherd, but they were there temporarily. Everyone say temporarily. They were there temporarily to hold and to take care of God's people until their shepherd arrived. 
And so this aspect of the, the pen and people sneaking in, you need to understand that Judaism at the time was a temporary sheep enclosure for God's people to protect them, to care for them on behalf of the shepherd that is coming in the morning, that is coming to take care of them. But the leaders of Judaism were taking advantage of God's people. They were supposed to protect. They were supposed to, to, uh, to take care of them. They were supposed to point them to the coming Messiah. They were supposed to, to help encourage them to, to continue to walk with God. And this was the structure. It was, the, it was their sheep enclosure, Judaism, that kept them safe. But instead, they began to use them. They began to use their, their positions as power and, and to all about them and their personality. Then they thought, let's make up more stuff to put on them, and they have to obey it. But these shepherds that came before Jesus were there to temporary wa temporarily watch and protect the sheep until the good shepherd arrived. And so the good shepherd is here in, in John chapter 10. The good shepherd, Jesus, is showing up. And everything that the other shepherds were supposed to be pointing God's people to, and they weren't, Jesus shows up and says, hang on a second. These are my sheep. These are my people. You were supposed to be taking care of these for me. So listen, you, th this whole passage is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. When you look at verse 3 in the sheepfold, Notice that when he calls out the sheep, not all of them come out of the sheep enclosure. Not all of them actually, what does that mean? Belong to him. Everything about the whole story of the Bible is pointing everything to the good shepherd. He's coming. Everything about the, the law was Jesus is coming. Everything about, everything about punishment and the wrath of God is there is one who is coming who is good and is going to be a good shepherd to us. Jesus says this in John chapter 6, verse 37. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. What does that mean? For those then that didn't come to him. What does that mean when Jesus called his sheep in this story and not all of them came? It means that some of them did not belong to him. Had nothing to do that they were Jews. Had nothing to do with, with in, no religious system. The good shepherd has arrived. And some of them did not follow. Because they didn't belong to him. So when Jesus approaches the temporary sheep pen of Judaism, he speaks the truth. That's what he's doing here. He speaks the truth about who he is. And he speaks the truth to those who were given to him by the Father. And those people, those sheep, hear his voice. They hear him calling and they come to him. This is a, a challenging theology what, this, what these implications may be regarding this idea. This is going to be challenging to some of you today. But I want you to think for a second. When you think back of when you realized you needed a Savior. Remember, I just want you to think back for a moment. When you realized 
You needed a shepherd. You needed to be forgiven. You needed to be changed and transformed. When you realize that you wanted to be a follower of Jesus and you desired to submit your life to God and receive salvation from what Jesus had done for you, let me ask you a question. How were you able to hear the voice of Jesus calling you if Jesus wasn't your shepherd? Have you ever thought about that? How were you who was totally depraved You had nothing good in you, and we would all say amen to that. We were fallen. We were broken. We were were empty. We were distant from God. How was it that we heard his voice when he called us? I'll tell you, because you already belong to him. His sheep hear his voice. Now, you had the chance to respond, but he called you. So let me ask you a question, another question. Did you become his sheep because you started following him? Or did you start following him because you are his sheep? This is a big theological question. But I think it's important we understand that God chose you. He selected you. He says, I want that one and that one. And yes, God came for all to be saved, but God did choose you. And he picked you. So when you heard the voice of your Savior call your name, something in you go, ha, that's what I've been looking for. That's the voice that has called that. I belong to that voice. And you came to him and you received the nourishment of the good shepherd. That's what this means. And I think if we're not careful, especially in in our evangelicalism or whatever it is, you put an ism on the end of it, 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 you know, it picks up some problems. But anyway, in, in this world of sinner, in this world that I'm broken, in this world of God sent his son, this is the world we are in. If we're not careful, we can make the sinner or the sheep the focus of salvation, that it's about them, it's about their effort, it's about their choice, it's about their decision. And I want to share something with you today. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the good shepherd who chose you. He marked you. When he lifted his voice, you responded because he selected you from the foundation of time. That's mine. She belongs to me. He belongs to me. And so the glory doesn't go to the sinner. The glory goes to the Savior. It's all about him. And we need to understand that the church, the church that Jesus is building is a church that's all about him. And we need to understand that the glory of salvation does not belong to the sinner. It belongs to our Savior. He gets all the glory. 
He gets all the worship. He gets all the praise. He gets all the submission to. He gets everything of our life because it never was about us. It was always about the good shepherd is coming to get his flock, and that's you. It's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't understand it all. I don't understand all the workings underneath it, but what I do know is that my salvation, I promise you this, had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with him. He saved us. So I want you to understand that today as we continue. I'm going to do one more sermon on on this passage, but for you to understand that it has nothing to do with you, it was Jesus who called and you respond to his voice because he's your shepherd and you are his sheep. Number two, what does this mean? It means this, number two, that he, Jesus, stands guard over you. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. John 10 verse 7 says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Again, I want you to always understand. People confuse this time and time and time again. They somehow detach Jesus from the Old Covenant, from the Old Testament. They think that somehow there was this, this, this covenant with the Jews, and then now there's a new covenant that's happening with, with the Gentiles, and it's called dual covenant. There is no dual covenant. There's one covenant that God sent his son that Jesus was slain as the lamb before the foundations of the earth, that it was naturally a progression to get everybody to Jesus. He was the conclusion. He is the end. He is what we've been waiting on, and he is here. He's the good shepherd. You need to understand this. The Jewish people are not covered by another covenant. They're covered by God's covenant, which is concluded and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. There is no other covenant. It is Jesus and Jesus only. You can try to spin it because you love him. You can try to do it because you think this. It doesn't matter. The Bible is strong and, and fierce when it comes to the glory of God that is given to his son Jesus. If you lift him up, you get his glory. If you deny him, you do not. That's why the world needs Jesus. Now, the second aspect of Jesus, he talks about he's the gate. What does this mean? If the shepherd would not be able to make it back to the communal sheep enclosure in the village, he would find a place many times in a cave. There was only one way in or one way out. And so as he gathered a sheep in there, the one spot that you could go in or come out The one spot, the shepherd would lay there. Thus, the shepherd became the gate or the door for his flock. That he would lay down. And if anything tried to come after the sheep, they got to go through me. There's that old saying that says, over my dead body, are you going to get at my family or whatever it may be? That's what it means. You got to go through me if you're going to get to them. 
What Jesus is saying that he's the gate, he's the door. Your salvation has been secured by Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Your salvation is secure. You are in his flock and he stands guard at the door. He is the gate. And that's why later he says that no one can pluck any sheep from his hands. Why? Because he stands guard over your life. We need to understand that. I want you to imagine for a, a moment that Jesus, what he's saying, and the impact that he is making on those who are listening, who are familiar with shepherd and sheep. Up to this point, these people who were listening had been taught by different religious leaders who were temporary shepherds. That they said it was only through them, only through keeping their rules, only through keeping their way, only through keeping their legalism, that a man or a woman could have favor with God. You got to do it my way as the temporary shepherd. And so people strive to obey because they wanted to please God. They, they wanted to honor God. And now Jesus is telling them that those shepherds were actually wicked. Those shepherds were stealing from you. Those shepherds and the things they put on you were, was actually killing you and destroying you. But Jesus said, I am here to give you life. I am here to give you abundance. So imagine them hearing this for the first time. And you think, okay, wait a minute. Is that true? Then who can I trust? I thought this is how I gained favor with God. And what am I, who am I supposed to listen to? And, and Jesus was telling them that now that he is there, that they are to come through him to find favor with God, that he is the gate, he is the door, he is the shepherd. And now that you are in Christ, and now that you, he is your shepherd, now that you heard his voice and followed him, he will protect you. Jesus was telling them, I am here to protect you from thieves and robbers of Judaism, and now he stands as the good shepherd, as guard over their lives, and for us today, over our lives. Jesus was exposing that Jews, Judaism was intended to be this safe place for people of God to interact with God, but the temporary shepherds distorted it as, as we've already heard. That they became thieves and robbers, that, that they began taking from God's people, not giving to God's people. They began, they, actually they were distracting God's people from the coming Messiah. They wanted to be the Messiah. They, they wanted to be the ones in charge. They were distracting them. They stopped caring for God's people. They stopped lifting their eyes to, to God and, and, the, and the prophecies about the coming good shepherd. They distracted them from the good shepherd and began controlling them and using them for their own good. And Jesus was warning them about what they were doing. So what does that say to us today? I, I want you to hear me today in my heart. I don't have the luxury as a teacher of God's word to chase theories and ideas. They may be fun, but that's not what I'm called to do. 
I'm called to teach the Word of God and to stand on it. I'm called to point God's people to what God's pointing to in His Word. So what does this whole idea of there are shepherds that were distracting them from the Good Shepherd? These robbers and thieves. It was the warning to them, but listen, it's still a warning to you today, to the church. There are still robbers and thieves trying to crawl over the fence into the church. Not just, not just our church, but the church as a whole. With the goal, now here's their goal, to do as much damage as possible. And the truth is, until Jesus returns, there's always going to be wolves. There's always going to be teachings. There's always going to be theories. And all these things may look even righteous. But they are really intended to distract you from what the Word says. From what the purpose of God is. There are obvious thieves and robbers even in our own community, there's a, there's a cult that's here in Arvada. It's called World Mission Society Church of God. On a, it, just to simplify it, they're crazy, okay? So we'll just go there. <laughs> they're a cult. They believe that there is a mother God in South Korea, and, and, I, and I have talked with them. I was actually down at the light rail in Old Town, Nevada, going on a date night with my wife, um, which is a good thing to do. And this guy walks up to me and he says, hey, you want to, would you be interested in going to a Bible study? And I thought, yeah, this is great. Tell me about the Bible study. But I, something in me was like, this dude's, this dude's off. So, because I've heard about them. So I just asked him, I said, uh, what, so what are you studying in the Bible? Oh, we just read the Bible and talk about it. I said, okay. Um, who are you with? And he said, I, well, World Mission Society, Church of God. I said, oh, you're a cult is what you are. You're a cult. And so I started talking to him, and this is, they, they have their little hierarchy how they do this. I said, listen, bro. I let, I, and I said, bro, listen. Just real quick, you need to tell me, God is, God, listen, God isn't from South Korea. And this, we, I knew his name, I can't remember now. This dude's Wife is not the mother God. You are deceived and you need to understand that you are deceived. And if you continue down this road, it will be eternal destruction for you. You need to know this. By then, this other guy came over who was like, I don't know, like the deflector or the bouncer. I don't know what he, I said, yeah, I said, yeah, you're a cult. That's what you are. And you are deceiving people and you're leading people down the wrong road. And you're going to have to answer to God. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to surrender to Jesus Christ. I'm worried about your soul. I was just telling them. And here's my precious wife, like great date night over here. <laughs> but I, I'm passionate when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, and so I said, listen, I, I, I love you. You need to give your life to Jesus. And then all of a sudden they moved on. Well, I'm sitting there waiting for the light rail. And uh, they start asking other people. I saw them walk over here. I'm like, uh, not my town. You're not doing this. So I said, hey, 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 they're a cult. They're a cult. You need to get out of here. Leave these people alone. You're, you need to leave. You, you are deceiving people. Leave. And so I've got a big voice. So I just thought, well, I'll just get louder. You're a cult. Get out of here. Leave these people alone. Give your life to Jesus. Leave them alone. 
And then we get on the train finally, and it was a scene, okay, let's just be honest. It was a scene. I, we get on the train, I'm like, sorry, babe. She was like, I knew you were going to do that anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> but so there are obvious thieves and robbers, obvious. But here's, here's the, I, but I want you to catch this. There are some things that aren't as obvious. And so I want to encourage you, you are to be very careful about what you listen to about whom you follow. And that's one of the reasons why God actually has given churches pastors. They, they, that's my role as a pastor, as a shepherd, to offer the word of God to you. When, when people, because we, we love to chase theories. We love to be in exclusive clubs. We love that we really understand how the Holy Spirit works and no one else does. And we really understand what this means. We really, you know, have the five, you know, whatever, the, the seven laws, five laws of Calvinism. And what, I mean, we, we're the ones that really know. Well, okay. But you got to be careful. It's not a distraction. Paul says this in Acts 20, and he's talking to pastors and shepherds. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from their own number, men will rise and distort. Now look at this, distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. These are thieves and robbers who distort the truth to get you busy and distracted from doing what God has called you to do. The greatest danger to your spiritual impact and health many times will come from someone who's claiming to teach the Bible. Many times they're charismatic, they're a strong personality, they have a big following. They quote a lot of scriptures and verses and they insert theories and ideas and focuses that might even be in the Bible, but it's to distract you to distract your time, to get your resources from investing and giving and being a part of the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ through your local church and through your life. That is what thieves and robbers do. They distort to get you distracted so then the church can't move forward. And the teaching of these thieves and robbers and wolves usually creates an insider exclusiveness that's fueled by pride that only those who really understand God or the Bible or, or history or Israel or prophecy or whatever it may be, it's a distraction. And it sounds, and, and the club is usually fueled with pride. It's not humble. It's not about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about something else. It's about something else. That's why we as a church, everything we do will be centered on the apple of God's eye, his son, Jesus Christ. That's why. We are not, we are not deviating. We're not doing anything else. We are going to lift the name of Jesus high. And as we do, he will draw men unto himself. We will not be distracted. We will continue to stay in the word and allow that to tell us what to do. We're not going to go down rabbit trails and live our lives chasing things that makes us feel special and exclusive. We're going to keep Jesus at the center and follow him all the days of our lives. Amen. So Jesus is our gate. He offers protection, salvation, 
security from those who would want to distract you, for those who would tempt you to not promote the gate, proclaim the gate, which is Jesus. I've often said this, that I think one of the strategies of the enemy, because he can't, he can't take our salvation away, but he can distract you and render you useless for the kingdom of God. He can get you focused on the wrong thing. We've seen it here. Out of our love for Israel, I have, I have personally seen young people reject Jesus and become a Jew. Reject him. Why? Because something was just a little off. We support Israel, but we worship Jesus. We stand with Israel, but we follow Jesus. The moment that you just confuse just a little thing is now the sheep begin. Thieves and robbers. That's why we must preach Jesus. And I know me saying that is like, oh my gosh. Listen, no one else in leadership has the responsibility to proclaim that except for me. And I stand on the word. And I love you enough to tell you these things. We walk with Jesus. We walk with Jesus. We follow Jesus. We promote Jesus. He is our only source. He's our only hope. He is the center of God's eye. He's the center of God's passion. He is, he's the one that God sent to the cross. It was God's idea. He laid his life down for us. We worship Jesus. And we follow him. And we tell other people, you must follow Jesus. There is no other way. He is the gate. He's the only way. We follow him. We celebrate him. We receive from him. He is the source of our hope and our life and our purpose. He chose us. He called our name. And we responded because he is the good shepherd. And we will follow him. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand today. So my question for us today, the good shepherd has called you, you responded to his voice. What area of your life are you not allowing him to lead you in? I said this earlier right after worship, this is one of the things I feel like God has placed in my heart today for you. What area of your life are you not allowing the good shepherd to shepherd you? Is there a compromise? Is there a lifestyle issue? What area of your life? He's calling you. What area do you need to surrender to him? As a sheep, I want to remind you today also that he watches over you. He guards you in his fold. You don't go from saved to unsaved in his flock, out of his flock, once you become a part of it, because you, you, already, you already were, and you responded to his voice. 
You have eternal security. You need to know that. You were not, you were not to live your life eternally insecure. You have eternal security because you're his sheep. You need to be secure in that. You need to understand that. That's what the scripture teaches. I know there are theories and ideas, but I, I, I can't look past the reality that Jesus says no one will pluck them from my hand that the Father has given to me. That's you. You are secure. And so you can rest in that security. Your salvation, your protection is his responsibility. He's the gate. And so we just respond to his voice. So let's bow our heads. Father, what area of our lives today? What areas of our lives need to be shepherded by you? Just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Just, just, just ask him. Lord, shepherd Shepherd my heart. Is it your mind? Is it thoughts? Is it, what is it? Is it a compromise? Is it your marriage? So Lord, today we respond to your voice. And we ask you today, Lord, to lead us and to guide us. Lord, today we ask you to cleanse us of our disobedience in areas of our lives that we have not allowed to be shepherded by you. Today, we thank you that you've called us to be part of your flock, but also, Lord, we submit our whole lives under you, that we would hear your voice and we would follow you. Lord, cleanse us from these compromises, cleanse us from these areas that we have tried to shepherd ourselves and we respond to you and we give you our lives. God, today we take a step into our eternal security in our own hearts and our own minds and we thank you that you have selected us, you've chosen us, you've called us and we delight in following you. I give you my life today, every part, Father. Father, today we glorify you for sending your son for us. Father, today we make a commitment to lift your name above every other name. Father, today we ask you that you would cleanse us, cleanse our minds and our hearts from anything that we have given our resources and our attention to, distractions that have kept us from glorifying your son ideologies, theologies. Jesus, may you be the center of our lives. May you be the center of our homes. May you be the center of this church as we follow you to the best of our ability. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you recognize the shepherd is calling your name and you want to respond to him and you want to take a step towards him and you can feel it you know right in the pit of your stomach that you are not following him that you 
are a sinner, that you need to be saved. You need to commit your life and start following the voice of the one you are hearing right now. If that's you and you want to take a step forward just right where you are and follow Jesus, lift your hand right where you are. Lift it up right now. Amen. God bless you, brother. Bless you. Bless you. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart of the work that Jesus has done, that he has saved you, and you're going to give your life to him today. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I follow your voice. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, let's